Go with me to the Gospel of John, the 10th chapter. John chapter 10, verse 27 through verse 30. I want to talk this morning on this thought, Secure Forever. I know that this is a house that's divided this morning on this subject. Some of you agree with me, some of you don't. That's why I'm going to spend three weeks talking about this. Talk three weeks on this, we're going to talk today on it, we're going to talk again next week on it, and I'm going to talk the third week on it. We're going to go to the passages on the third week that people want to talk to refute it and show you that those passages that people use to refute it, that they can mean something else. One of those passages that many people want to use to refute it is Hebrews chapter 6, that those that have been enlightened, become a partaker of the Holy Ghost, tasted of the goodness of God, if they fall away, it's impossible to renew them to repentance. Let me just say that. If you use that to say you can fall away, it says it's impossible to renew to repentance. And if you fall away, you can't come back. But yet those who believe you can fall away say you can come back and come back and come back and come back. I have a hard time taking Hebrews 6 to believe if you fall away, you can't, it's impossible, it is impossible to be renewed to repentance. It doesn't say it's difficult, it says it's impossible. So, we'll, we'll look at some different passages in that third week that people want to use and show you some different ways to look at them. But today, we're going to look at the words of Jesus. And by the way, let me just say this. When you search your Bible, you, you never find terms where it talks about being born again and again and again or being saved and unsaved and saved again. You don't find examples in Scripture of, being people, of people being saved over and over again. And if it was that of important of a subject, why didn't Jesus talk about it? Amen? So maybe you can't say amen because you, you, you're, you're already divided against me. But here's what I, here's what I pray. Just, just keep an open mind and listen to what Jesus says in the text. Let's look at verse 27. John 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Father, today I'm asking for your help. I'm asking for the anointing to preach and teach your word. And I ask today that God, you'd do a work in our hearts. And I pray that you'd help us to have understanding of what your word's saying. Father, the people today don't need to hear from me. They, they, they need to hear from you. They need to hear from the Holy Spirit. And so God, today I pray that you'd open our ears to hear, open our hearts to receive. And I pray that you'd speak to us through your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. 
The reality is all of us want security. We want security. That's why we plan for retirement. That's why we have 401Ks because we want our future to be secure. That's why we put savings accounts and we put money aside because we want security. We have security systems installed into our homes because we want to feel safe and secure in our homes. But when it comes to our faith, many people don't have a feeling of security. You've got believers that struggle with the assurance assurance of salvation and they don't have a sense of being secure in Christ. You have people who go on a day-to-day basis feeling a sense of worry and a sense of fear as to whether or not they're going to make it to heaven. I used to be there. It depended on how I live based day-to-day whether or not I was going to make heaven my home because if I had a good day, I was assured I was going to heaven. But if I had a bad day, I wasn't so sure I was going to make it. If I had a bad day, I didn't know if God still loved me. How many can relate? And so I didn't have a sense of assurance. I didn't have a sense of security. Well, in our text today, Jesus tells us that His sheep are secure and they are secure forever. Now, as I've already mentioned, I know some of you don't agree with the doctrine of eternal security. I know that there are some that reject it and I know that there are some that believe it. But I know that there are some people out there in the world that take it too far and they abuse it. Some take it as a license to sin and do what they want to do. They've prayed a prayer, walked the aisle, and now they say, I can do whatever I want to do. Well, those people don't understand this doctrine. This is not a doctrine that can excuse you to live like you want to live. That's not what I'm saying. But I believe that a person, when they are genuinely saved, they are saved forever. That we have an eternal salvation. That what God does in us, He does it forever. And He's going to keep us until the day Jesus Christ returns. I believe the greatest blessing of this doctrine of eternal security is that it gives us assurance of our salvation. Hear what I'm about to say. If you don't believe that you are secure and safe in Christ, how can you say with absolute confidence that you are saved and on your way to heaven? You can't. At best you can say is I'm saved today and I'm going to heaven today, but I don't know if I'll make it next week because I might sin or I might stop doing good deeds and I might lose it before Jesus Christ comes or I take my last breath. I'm good today, but if Jesus waits 10 years, I might not be good then. You don't have assurance. And you know what? How can we sing songs like Blessed Assurance anymore? How can you sing a song like it is well with my soul if you don't know it's well with your soul? But if you believe that you're not only saved, but you're safe, you can wake up every day and believe, I'm on my way to heaven. I can say it as well with my soul. Because it's nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with Jesus. And I'm safe in Him. Just like Noah was safe in the ark. You see, Noah fell down many times probably while that ark tossed and tumbled. But he never fell out. I'm in Christ. I'll never fall out. 
Amen. I might fall down sometimes, but I'll never fall out. I'm safe. Another great blessing of believing that we're secure in Christ is that it makes us more fruitful and productive. In other words, if our salvation is forever settled, you don't have to live in fear, you don't have to live in worry, and you can focus on doing what God wants you to do. If you're constantly worried about whether or not I'm going to make it and whether or not I'm saved and whether or not I'm going to make it to heaven, listen, you're going to constantly worry about those things. But listen, if you know that it's settled and it's finished, you can focus on, God, what do you want me to do with my life? But if day after day after day you're worried, hey, am I saved? Am I going to make it? That's what you're going to focus on your entire life. And that's how a lot of people live. Having to constantly run to the altar. i got to get right with God again. And they can never be productive for God. Let me give you another blessing. Victory. When you believe that you're saved and, and secure, you can have victory in your life. You see, the, the reason some people struggle with the flesh so much is because you're trying to live the Christian life yourself. But if you believe that Jesus paid the price and you're saved and secure, some of the things you battle with, some of the things you're trying to overcome, you'll find out that the power gets broken from your life. Because you find out that God loves you so much that nothing separates you from His love. You'll find out some of the things that allure you and pull you away no longer has a pull on you anymore. Let me, give, let me give you some of the background this morning before we get into the reasons why I believe we're secure. Let's look at the setting. Look at verse 22 and 23. And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Nearly two months have passed in verse 21 to 22. The text tells us it's winter time, and it's taking place at the feast of dedication. The feast of dedication is also known as the feast of lights, or more commonly known as Hanukkah. This feast celebrated the cleansing or rededication of the temple after three years of desecration by Antiochus Epiphanes, the king of Syria. It says it's taking place at Solomon's porch. This was a roofed porch with tall stone, tall stone columns nearly 40 feet tall, and it was located on the eastern side of the temple overlooking the Kidron Valley. Verse 24 says, Then came the Jews round about him and said to him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. So the Jews surround Jesus and they say to him, Hey, tell us if you are the Christ. They wanted to know if he was the Messiah. Well, here's the thing. They should have known who he was. The works that he had performed and the words that he had spoken should have proved to them that he was the Messiah. But they refused to believe in him. And verse 26 tells us why they refused to believe. Look at it. But you believe not because you are not of my sheep, as I said to you. Notice something here. Jesus didn't say you're not my sheep because you don't believe. He said they don't believe because they're not his sheep. And that's another message altogether. In other words, Jesus is emphasizing their inability to believe. And so with that a little bit of uh, as background, let me give you what Jesus has to say about the security of the believer. Point number one. Jesus' sheep are secure because He gives them eternal life. His sheep are secure because He gives them eternal life. Look again at verse number 28. I give unto them 
eternal life. Eternal life isn't something we will have one day when we die. Jesus says we have it now. You see, as believers, we don't have to wait until we die to find out if we will have eternal life. At the moment we believe in Jesus, at the moment we place our faith in Christ, He gives us eternal life. I'm so glad I don't have to find out until He comes back or I take my last breath to find out if I'm going to make it. He gives us eternal life at the moment we believe in Him. But notice that it's a gift. It's not something we work for. It's not something we earn. It's not something that has to do with any merit in in us. It is an undeserved gift, not a wage and payment for good works. We don't deserve it. It is undeserved. It is a gift. By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. But also notice that it's eternal life, not temporary life. Does that make sense? It's eternal life, not temporary life. It's life that lasts forever, therefore it can't be lost. If it can be lost, it's not eternal. And if it can be lost, then Jesus is lying in the text. How many want to accuse Jesus of being a liar? I don't. He says, I give them eternal life. Now, Some followers of Jesus believe they have eternal life as long as they don't sin. Or only as long as they do good. Or only as long as they are perfect. But hear me. If it took perfection for us to remain saved, all of us would be lost. In fact, every believer who has ever lived would be lost because no one's perfect. Can anyone raise their hand this morning and say they've been perfect since being saved? Would anybody be brave enough to raise their hand today and say you haven't sinned since believing in Jesus? Nobody? You see, it's not our perfection that gets us into heaven. It's the perfection of Jesus that gets us into heaven. You see, eternal life can't be conditional and still be eternal. Let me say that again. Eternal life can't be conditional and still be eternal. If there's conditions on it, it can't be eternal. It has to be temporary. If it's only as long as you don't do bad, it's not eternal. As long as you do all this, as long as you dot the I's and cross the T's, it's not eternal. But if He gives me eternal life, that means it's eternal. If I ever lose it, it wasn't eternal. Right? 1 John 5, 13, it's not in your notes, but John says, I've written these things unto you so that you may know you have eternal life. If I have it, and it's eternal, then how do I ever lose it? Let me just say this, and some of you are going to get mad at this, but here's the thing. If my good works don't give me eternal life, then how do my bad works take my eternal life? Again, I'm not talking about going out living in sin, doing what you want to do, but here's the thing. None of us are perfect. We just, we just all agree to that. 
We've got this idea that somehow heaven's a place for good people. It's a place for bad people who don't deserve to be there. It's because he gives us eternal life that we go. That's why we're secure. He gives us eternal life. It's a gift. But let me give you the second part of this. Jesus' sheep are secure because he promises that they will never perish. Look at verse 28 again. I give to them eternal life and they shall never perish. Notice that. They shall never perish. In the original language, language, Jesus is saying this, they shall never, never, never perish ever. That's what it means in the original language. That word perish, it refers to future judgment or punishment in hell. And Jesus says that his sheep will never perish. He says that his sheep will never be cast away. Listen to these verses, John 6, verse 39 and 40. This is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which sees the Son and believes on him may have everlasting life. And notice this, I will raise him up at the last day. John 17, 12. While I was with them in the Lord, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition. That's referring to Judas. That the scripture might be fulfilled. John 18, 9. That the saying might be fulfilled which he spake. Of them which thou gavest me, have I lost none. These verses make it clear that Jesus will not lose any of his sheep. If Jesus starts out with a hundred sheep, Guess how many he's going to end up with? A hundred sheep. He's not going to lose any. That's why the, in Luke 15, the parable of the, of the sheep, he'll leave the 99 to go after the one. Why? Because he's not going to leave any. He's not going to lose any. If you're one of his sheep, guess what? He's not going to lose you. Also the phrase, they shall never perish, that's a promise from Jesus. And how many know Jesus keeps his promises? They shall never perish. In fact, the, the, the well-known verse in all the Bible, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. If Jesus says we'll not perish if we believe in him, why is it hard for us to believe that we're going to perish? Why do we believe we will? Well, preacher over here says people's going to depart from the faith. Well, let me just say this. Could it be possible that people act like they have faith? And they're going to apostatize? Let me ask you, does it right now seem in our country that people's trying to back away from God? You know, the Bible talks about the parable of the, the souls and only one produced fruit. But yet there was one who gladly received and it sprang up quickly and it looked like, oh, it looked, it looked like he had it. But yet as soon as trouble comes, it falls away. Have you ever seen those people that take off like a pop, a pop rocket? Hang around for a while. Something goes wrong in their life and you can't find them anymore. 
Listen, we've got to be very careful about who we call saved and who we call unsaved. Because we don't know a person's heart. Only God knows. Listen, none of us here want to be judged by one moment or event of our lives. Because, listen, we've all had some bad, bad moments in our lives where people could look at us and say, how can they call themselves a Christian? Right? Because here's the thing. What makes us Christians, what makes us believers is us believing in Jesus. It's not always our conduct. And some of you have a problem with what I just said. But it's not always your conduct. It's your belief in Jesus. You see, here, here's where we mess up. We, we confuse justification and sanctification. And that's why we struggle with this right here, Doc. is because we're confusing justification and sanctification. Justification means it's forever settled. Sanctification is the daily process of where we're being changed. Some days we look more holy than we do others. Amen? Some days we look a little more like Jesus than we do others. That's why God keeps working on us. But this justification, my position in Him, it's settled. But He's still working on me. And He's still working on you. And He's going to work until we make it home. And then guess what? We'll finally be glorified and we'll be like Him. Because Peter denied Jesus three times. But yet Peter went on to preach and 3,000 people get saved. But on the day Peter denied Him, you wouldn't have thought Peter was going to be too much like Jesus, would you? They shall never perish. That's a promise. And Jesus is going to keep his promise. And so if Jesus has a sheep that perishes, Jesus can't be trusted. But the verse is clear. They shall never perish. Let me illustrate it this way. Dr. H.A. Ironside once preached on the theme of safety and security of the believer. The woman came up to him afterwards and said to him, I don't agree with your doctrine. What don't you agree with, he asked her, with this doctrine of once saved, always saved. Let me just play it, just to say this. I don't like that terminology, once saved, always saved. I, I, I've never really liked that terminology. But he said to her, let me read you a verse that says that. She said, I know what you're going to read. You're going to read John 10, 28, aren't you? He replied, as a matter of fact, that is the verse I was going to read. So he, read the, he read the words, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, and no one can snatch them out of my hand. Do you believe that, he asked her. Not according to your interpretation, she replied. But I didn't interpret it. I just read it to you, Dr. Ironside said. Well, she replied, I don't believe the way you see it. Then let me read it this way, he said. Supposing it said, I give them life for 20 years and they shall never perish for 20 years and no one can snatch them out of my hand for 20 years. What would you think about that? She said, I think they would be safe for 20 years. He said, let us safe for 40 years. Well, would they be safe for 40 years? Yes, she said, I think they would be safe for 40 years. But it doesn't say 20 or 40 years. It says eternal life and they shall never perish. 
The Greek text is very strong at this point. What it literally says is, they shall not ever perish forever. Let's read it that way. I give unto them life forever, and they shall never perish forever. Do you believe that, he asked her. Not according to your interpretation was her response. Listen, I know you can't convince anybody that doesn't want to be convinced. And some of you are here today, and you're, you're not going to be convinced. And I'm not going to try to convince you. I'm just going to preach the Bible. But the verse says what it says. They shall never perish. That's the words of Jesus. And I'll say this before we move on to our final point. If it says they shall never perish, you can't go somewhere else and find something that contradicts what he says there. Because then the whole Bible falls apart and everything's a lie. And we may as well just pack up and go home because then it all becomes a lie. Does it not? And I'll say this and we'll move on. People want to go to Hebrews and to Peter and all these other complicated texts where people have three and four interpretations for to try to contradict or take something that's so simple they shall never perish to explain away something that's so simple. It's simple, isn't it? They shall never perish. And I say amen to that. Number three. Number three. Jesus' sheep are secure because both the Father and Jesus eat them. Let's look at verse 28 29 again. I give to them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Jesus promises to keep His sheep. If His sheep could perish, then He failed in His mission not to lose any of those the Father had given to them. And you can read about that in John 6, 37-40. He says, All that the Father gives me will come to me. I'll not cast them out, and I'm not going to lose any of my sheep. Jesus also says that the Father will also keep His sheep. Jesus says that we are in His hand, but we're also in the hand of the Father. Jesus says His sheep have double protection. Jesus has us in His hand and the Father has His hand around Jesus' hand. We are safe in the hands of Jesus and the Father. And there's absolutely nothing that can snatch us out of their hands. There's no dem demonic force, no evil, no sin, and not even the devil himself that can take us out of the hand of God. And here's what some will argue. I can remove myself from His hand because I'm a free moral agent. Well, that'll go against the promise of Jesus. They'll never perish. I can take myself out, preacher. Jesus said you'll never perish. So how are you going to take yourself out? In fact, you know what that implies? It implies you're greater and more powerful than God. If you can remove yourself, it's saying you're greater than God. And then you're breaking the promise of Jesus. So you can't remove yourself. In fact, let me ask you this. If we could remove ourselves, why haven't we already?
we could walk away. Why hadn't you already walked away? Because there's something inside of you that won't just let you walk away. Because listen, there's been times in my life I've been frustrated and aggravated and felt like throwing in the towel and just wanted to give up, but there's something inside of me that just won't let me do that. Have you been there? Where you, you, you felt like this ain't worth it. But something in the inside of you just, just, just won't let you do it. You know what that is? That's the keeping power of God. Times when you're falling down and just be like, I, I, I just don't know that I can do this. But you get back up. What is it? That's the Holy Spirit in your life working. At times, maybe you've gone a little stray because, listen, sheep are prone to wonder. But you find yourself coming back. Why? Because that's God working in your life. Because God's not going to lose any of His. Listen to what I'm about to say. It's not how well we can hold on to Him. It's about how well He holds on to us. Notice that Jesus says His Father is greater than all. This means that there's nothing more powerful than God, even our stubborn flesh. Satan and his demonic forces, they're powerful, but they're no match for the Father. Listen to Romans 8, 35-39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, and all these things were more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. We're safe and secure because the Father and the Son, they keep us and they preserve us. We've been sealed by the Holy Spirit unto the day of redemption. Preserved. We're tamper-proof. That's what it means. Tamper-proof. Now let me say this. This promise of security is only for the true believer, not the professor. Jesus promised security only for his sheep. If you're not a sheep, you're not secure. But if you belong to him, you're secure. Now let me close with this. Let's talk about some arguments and objections against eternal security. Here's one argument, one objection. It'll lead to living a sinful life. Some argue that if you tell people they're secure, it's going to lead them to think they can live however they want to and still be saved. That's not true at all. Listen to verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. Jesus says his sheep will hear his voice and follow him. In other words, they're going to obey his commands and do what he says to do. If a person professes to be a Christian and isn't living according to God's Word, if they're deliberately sinning and refuse to change and follow Him, I would say they're not His sheep. 
He says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. And so if somebody says, hey, I'm a Christian and then living for the world and not changing, not following God, not seeking to be obedient, they are not a sheep. True believers follow Jesus. True believers are obedient to God. This doesn't mean we're perfect. This doesn't mean that we never resist His will at times because at times we can all be disobedient. Let's just be honest. But the attitude of a genuine believer, the attitude of a genuine Christian is that I want to obey God. I want to do His will. I want to serve Him and love Him. Listen to 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. And hereby we do know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. He that says, I know Him and keeps not His commandments is a liar and the truth is not in Him. 2 Timothy 2.19 Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure, having this seal. The Lord knows them that are His and let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. If we name the name of Christ, we're to depart from iniquity, depart from sin. We're to seek to live a life that honors and glorifies God. Now listen, we may sin as believers, but we can't live in sin. We may be carnal at times, but we can't be carnal all the time. If a person is deliberately living in sin, they have no right to call themselves a Christian. Second, argument or objection. I know someone who was saved and has fallen away. That's what people want to bring up. Preacher, I know somebody that was saved. They fell away. They backslid. Again, this goes against the promise Jesus gave. They shall never perish. But let me say this. Is it possible that they were never truly saved to begin with? The reality is we don't know a person's heart. Only God does. You see, there are people who attend church and get caught up in the emotions and get caught up in the moment and they end up getting religion without regeneration. They get reformation without transformation. I see it at youth camp. <laughs> you get one little old girl in a group of about seven or ten and she goes to crying and wailing. Next thing you know, all of them's are crying. And they all want to run to the altar. Again, guess what? Next year, that same group's running right back down there again. Listen, you, you, listen, you dim the lights and start playing some soft music. And you can start creating emotional experiences with people. And people can get swept up in stuff. And listen, people can get guilty and not get conviction. And they want to find some relief. And they'll go to an altar. They won't pray through. They'll pray just to kind of get feel a little bit better. Never pray through. They'll attach themselves to the church for a while. All of a sudden you can't find them after a few months. They got born again. Listen, we got, again, I say, we've got to be very careful about who we say saved and who's unsaved. We don't know a person's fault. 
Listen, we've all seen people have, we run to an altar, hang around the church for years, and then go back out to the world and never see them again. A lot of times we say they're backslid. They may have never gotten saved. That was one thing I used to struggle with. We call people saved, say they're backslid. That's what I, that's what I called them, they're backslid. Lost again. And never realized that they may not, may not have gotten saved. Because the Bible talks about wheat and tares and sheep and goats. Wheat and tares growing up together, looking alike. But the day of judgment is going to separate them. Sheep and goats. Can't tell much difference between sheep and goats. But the day of judgment is going to separate them. But here's what I will say. If a person is generally saved and they have eternal life, they'll be miserable living in sin. Because here's what I have seen. I have seen people go back into the world, hang out there for a while, and come back. Have you seen that? I have. I've seen people go back out in the world, commit adultery, get, get out there at alcohol, and get miserable, and have to come back. Got to fall flat on their face and realize I'm not where I need to be. Get out there like the prodigal son, get in the pig pen, all of a sudden come to their senses. I got to go back home. That, that, that's the sign of a person who's been born again. They can't hang out there. They know the pig pen's not for them. But why? Because God never calls his people pigs. He calls them sheep. And a sheep don't belong in the pig pen. If a person has eternal life in them, if they've ever met God, and they ever go back out in the world, they're going to be miserable. And God's going to deal with them. God's going to chasten them. And God's going to discipline them. And they're going to come back. So here's what we need to do for them. Instead of judging them and pointing fingers at them, we need to pray for them and we need to love them that God will work in their lives and they'll come home. Because can I tell you what the Father's doing? The Father's looking for them. He's looking for them. And yet what we're doing is we're often looking down our religious noses. I'm like, How can they do that? And we need to be praying. I've already said this, but here's the thing. Sheep are prone to wander. Sheep have no sense of direction. Let me, let me just say this. Those of us that are saved, that are called sheep, that's not a compliment. Sheep are dumb animals. It's not a compliment. That's why they have to have a shepherd. Do you know, do you know sheep, they'll get into crevices... And instead of backing up to get themselves out, they'll keep wedging themselves further and further in there because they're, they're dumb. They'll put their head down and they'll get in a line and keep following each other. And if one of them was to walk off a cliff, guess what the next one's going to do? He's going to walk off a cliff too because they're dumb. Though so it's not a compliment to say we're sheep. We need a shepherd. We need somebody leading us and guiding us. That's why John chapter 10 is talking about Jesus being the great shepherd, the good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep. 
And let me just say this. This, 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 that really have anything to do with my message. But here's the thing. Some of us are trying to live our life by ourselves and call our own shots. Listen, you need the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. You need the shepherd. I need the shepherd. Listen, and it's only when you follow the shepherd that you'll be safe and you'll be secure. Outside of following the shepherd, you'll be in trouble. This doctrine of eternal security doesn't give us a license to sin. In fact, the Bible tells us that God's grace teaches us how to live. Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and world with us, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Grace empowers us and teaches us how we ought to live. God knows his sheep and he knows exactly what to do to keep all of his sheep safe. And he will not lose any of his sheep. So here's the deal as I close. If your salvation was based on anything that you did, you can undo it. If it's based on anything in us, we can undo it. But if your salvation rests on the fact that Jesus gave you eternal life apart from anything you do, and if Jesus and the Father are guarding you and Jesus promised that you'll never perish, your salvation is secure forever. I understand that this is a doctrine that many will reject, a doctrine that some can abuse, but it doesn't change the fact that what Jesus is saying. But just imagine what would happen if we dared to take the Savior at His word. We would live with less anxiety. We'd have less anxiety towards death because we would know what awaited us. Listen, I'm not afraid of death. I don't want to leave my family behind, but here's the thing. I know where I'm headed. I know where I'm headed. Whether he comes back today or he waits till I take my last breath, I know where I'm headed. Why? Because I know in whom I have believed. Yet there was a day I was afraid. I struggle. But no more because I know I'm saved. And I have blessed assurance. We'd live with a greater sense of freedom. We would no longer live under the bondage and burden of religion. Some of you trapped in religion. We'd love God more. You believe that you're saved. Secure. You'd love God more. You'd get out of performance mode. And you'd just fall in love with Him. And you'd worship Him more. You realize that nothing can take away what He gave you. You'd love Him. And you'd stop trying to earn what He gave you. And you just love Him. If we really took to heart what Jesus said and we really believed it, it changed our lives forever. I want you to stand with me all over the house.